Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back from the break. I am Dustin Gold. You are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. And this is pain.tv slash gold. Is this not gold, folks? A gold mine of information you get from this show. Feel free to share my show with everyone out there, your friends, your family, folks. I try to provide these source documents for you. I'm breaking this down. I try to separate what is fact from my opinion. I try to do that all the time, ladies and gentlemen. I try to make it somewhat entertaining. Uh, I like to mix in my voices. I haven't the last couple of shows, but I'm definitely going to get back to that. And I try to do this so that people can understand this. I try to explain it in layman's terms. As I dissect this and analyze this and learn from it, you're learning as well. I try not to curse on here, unlike uh, the mothership, the Thomas Paine podcast, Mike Moore. I don't think he can stop himself, folks. He's over there cursing up a storm. I can't even do my impression of Mike on this show without cursing because it won't make any sense. If I'm sitting over here talking about the breadsticks and everything else, I have to start cursing, and I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to be drawn into that, folks. Maybe what I'll do is I'll put out a like a three-minute funny clip or something separate from the podcast so I don't have to mark it explicit. Because if you mark it explicit, then it doesn't show up on Apple Podcasts and everything. 
So basically, no one listens, and then you can't get the information out there. All right. Let me just finish up the last one here. This is the list of what the World Economic Forum is doing to push forward this circular economy. Number three is the World Economic Forum's Accelerating Digital Traceability for Sustainable Production initiative brings together manufacturers, suppliers, consumers, and regulators to jointly establish solutions and provide a supporting ecosystem to increase supply chain visibility and accelerate sustainability and circularity across manufacturing and production sectors so as you can see folks they are working to bring this circular economy forward and they just magically show up it's ready to roll out there as a solution for sri lanka and you're supposed to believe that the problem the economic collapse in sri lanka that evolved over the last 10, 15, 20 years just happened by accident. And then these folks are there. They're just ready to help them. They're there to provide a solution to move Sri Lanka into a rental-based economy where the people will own nothing, but don't worry, you don't have to live in complete poverty. We're just going to take away your ability to own any assets and move you into a rent-to-center model. That's what it is, folks. It's a rent-to-center model. Now, I've got to get into this video here from Franz von Houten, and then I'm going to explain to you um, what I call the silver lining in this. As you know, I have said before that the silver lining with the technocracy is that it's a paper tiger. It operates completely and solely on the technology on the internet so it literally could be shut down if there was no internet but there's another one as well there's another big one like wide awake jim talks about that you could collapse the banks right by withdrawing cash and throwing off all of their books now that's a possibility but only for a short window and i'll get into that i have a note of it but let's get through the circular economy and then i will talk about this uh before we move on to the next subject i just need to put this out there so you understand how the original technocracy blueprints are shaping up and coming into full form here today as we speak all right let's watch this video traditionally the business model was i make the product I sell it to you, you use it and you discard it. In a circular economy thinking, we take a different notion. We actually will recuperate the value of the product when it comes to the end of its life cycle. We can either repurpose or refurbish the product for another use cycle, or we can recuperate the raw materials from the end product and recycle them so that we can build another product. In circular economy business models, uh, I would like products to come back to me as the original designer and manufacturer. And once you get your head around that notion, why would I actually sell you the product if you are primarily interested in the benefit of the product? And maybe I can stay the owner of the product and just sell you the benefit as a service. If you carefully look around us and we look at other companies, there are plenty of examples where circular economy thinking is applied. Aircraft engines are often made by Rolls-Royce. Rolls-Royce has a business model where they stay the owner of the engine and make sure that they sell aircraft flying hours. I would love this to become further ingrained and not only for B2B business models, but also for B2C business models. In the circular economy thinking, people in the company have to start thinking differently. 
that applies to marketing, product design, but also to management, especially to management. Because how do you measure profitability in a circular model? The initial cost price of a product that is circular can actually be a little bit more expensive because it's designed to take the modules back and to recoup the value at the end of its first life. That means that uh, you need to measure profitability maybe over an eight or even 15 year time frame. And if the product is 5% more expensive initially, but I get 30% of the value back after eight years, then that's a great proposition, right? But it does require us to have a long cycle uh, in judging uh, the value of a customer relationship and a business model. I often We'll see, we'll see what he's talking about there, folks. There's not going to be the issue with having to have this customer relationship because at the end of the day, you're not going to be renting these things, let's say, from an Amazon, which you have no relationship with Amazon. You just go on the app, you order crap, and it shows up at your front door. The closest person you see to an Amazon employee is a gig worker, somebody who just shows up at your door who picked up a gig this morning to drop off your package, or someone who works for one of these Amazon third-party trucking companies that operate just like gig workers, like somebody owns it and then they hire people who basically work for them on a gig basis. And so when he's talking about this proposition to companies to move forward with the circular economy model, uh, and, and then the fact that they can grease them by saying at the end you're going to recoup 30 percent of the value the system is going to be run by either the government itself or a government private sector partner both being part of the state so when we say the state now i'm just going to use that term uh which will be synonymous with the system and the state represents both the public and private partnerships so the state to me is the whole system it is the technique all right, it's the public-private partnership. It is managed by both the government and by the private sector. That is one entity. Uh, when I move forward and talk about the state, that is what I mean. All right, let's continue. Customer relationship and a business model. I often get questions whether circular economy thinking is understood by shareholders. And I dare say, if we do a good job, yes, shareholders understand it and even can appreciate it. And why is that? Uh, well, shareholders actually like to have predictable results. And if I build up my business with recurring revenues that come out of a base of customers that will take my product as a service rather than only you know, the hit and run of the linear model, um, I can build a very profitable and recurring revenue stream. Now, now, let me pause this for one second, because when they're talking about products as a service, you guys are probably aware, we covered it a little bit on the show, software as a service, SaaS, right? Software as a service. So the way that works is all of these different companies that you're interfacing with online, let's say you have a small business and you need an accounting software. Right. So in the old days, you'd go down to Staples and you would buy QuickBooks for like whatever it was, a hundred bucks, 200 bucks, 300 bucks on a CD. You'd bring it home and you do your taxes. Now you basically access this through the cloud, you know, so. All of these companies now offer software as a service. So instead of you having to go out and hire a developer to build the software that you're going to use to manage your warehouse or manage your coffee shop or manage your point of sale system in your uh, chocolate factory, whatever it may be, folks, you go and you rent this software. So you'll pay them 
30 bucks a month, 50 bucks a month, 100 bucks a month, $200 a month, whatever it may be. But the issue that I've always had with that is a lot of these companies end up getting gobbled up. So you may have to invest 20, 30, 50, 100 hours setting up your point of sale system. And then the next thing you know, that company gets gobbled up by a bigger company and they change the system and you have to learn it all over again. Or they decide to just shut it down because they're getting rid of a competitor. And so that's the same model that this product as a service is going to be. I mean, don't think this isn't some magical system. This is rent-a-center. This is going down to uh, Home Depot and renting a bandsaw. I mean, this is all it is. It's just a giant, huge rental economy. So they're selling this as if it's something new, and it's going to give people access to more goods, more services through this rental-based system. But this is all a scam and a scheme to end ownership. That's what it is. It's ending ownership. And what the uh, selling point to the so-called private sector is, even though they'll be forced into this, is that you're going to go build, uh, whatever, a leaf blower that's going to cost you $100 to build it. And then you're going to sell it wholesale to Home Depot for $200. So you're going to make $100 off of that leaf blower. But if you run it as a rental service and you charge $10 a day, well, in 10 days, it pays you back your cost of $100, and then you continue to rent it. You're going to make even more money, and in the end, the product comes back to you, and you're recouping some of its value. You see, this is what it is, but it's really the main goal is to end ownership. This is so that people, you, me, never get to actually own anything. All of the money that you make or the universal basic income that you're given is then giving right to these guys to continue to rent products from them. It's like renting a house every month. Okay, now for some people that model may work, you understand it, but for others, let's say you're renting a house for $2,000 a month. If you had the down payment and the credit to be able to buy a home or buy a piece of property and you were putting $2,000 a month into that, you're building up wealth for yourself because you're going to end up owning that in the end and you can sell it hopefully for more money than you bought it for or at least being able to keep up with inflation. So over the years, you put $500,000 into that house, maybe in the end you can sell it for six hundred. But in this case, you'll never own anything. You don't get to build up any wealth. But that is the tenet of technocracy, that you will own nothing. You will own nothing. You will not accrue wealth, and you will be happy. Well, I don't think the technocracy ever said you won't, that you will necessarily be happy. But they promise no crime. They promise all of these other things that go along with the utopian vision that they are selling. Let's continue. Shareholders like that. So initially, the reaction may be, you know, let's focus on the quarter, let's focus on the next half year. But long-term investors, value investors, are interested in understanding how the company builds up a recurring revenue stream, uh, which fits perfectly well with the circular economy thinking. All right, up on the screen, it says business model innovation, long-term value creation, service-based business models, recommendations for leaders. Philips is the leader in energy-efficient lighting, but energy-efficient lighting is a little bit more expensive, and maybe up to 30-40% more expensive than traditional lighting. And that puts customers off. We went to Schiphol with a proposition where they can buy lighting as a service that takes away the initial adoption barrier. It saves the uh, Schiphol Airport, 
50% of their electricity bill. It gets them a product that lasts up to 75% longer. So they have less repl replacement cycles and they save labor. And it gives us a relationship with Schiphol Airport that will last many years. It actually reduces my selling expenses and it, it continues that ongoing business partnership. All in all, this deal was very profitable, both for Schiphol Airport as well as for Philips. Okay, so you see what he's talking about there is that you go down to the Home Depot and let's say you see a regular light bulb is a dollar and then this energy saving light bulb is a dollar 30. So you just buy the regular one because you don't want to spend the extra 30 cents on the one that they say is going to save you energy. Well, what they're going to do is they're going to rent you that light bulb for 10 cents a month. That's basically what they're doing. Now, you can see this is already being worked in here in the United States. They are engineering people into the idea of layaway or basically on credit without using a credit card and paying interest. You see companies like Klarna, Afterpay, they're embedded inside of Amazon and all of the e-commerce stores at this point. So you might want to buy something that's $200, right? And it'll say, do you want to break this into four payments or six payments? Most of these, you don't have to really apply for them. They just do it. You have to give them your debit or credit card, and they charge it every two weeks, every week, every month. They're broken up in different ways. This is the beginning of getting you used to this concept of not just paying the $200 for the item right now and having it shipped. It's you breaking it up into payments. So you're saying, okay, I can't afford, well, no, you go there to buy it. You're about to spend the 200 And then you say, oh, Klarna says I can give them $20 a week for the next 10 weeks. I'll do that. Boom. They just sucked you into this idea of making payments. That's all engineering, folks. I'm sure you've seen this model. This is what it is. Soon, I guarantee you, uh, I haven't done the research on this, but I can guarantee you, Soon, they'll be doing something on Amazon, and you'll go to buy a, a toaster or something, and instead of it saying $40, do you want to break this up into 10 $40 payments from Klarna, it's going to say, do you want to rent this for $2 a month on a contract for whatever, two years? It's coming, folks. You can see it's coming. All right, when we get back, we'll finish this up. But now you're going to have a solid understanding of the circular economy, which can also be named the you own nothing economy. Circular means you own nothing economy. Maybe it's circular for a butthole because you're going to be taking it up the rear from these people when you end up owning nothing, accruing no wealth, no assets, because these people don't want you to own a damn thing. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? 
you need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. All right, folks, so what we're going to do here is we are going to finish up this video on the circular economy, ladies and gentlemen. I think this is enough of an understanding of how the circular economy works for now. We're going to eventually circle back to that, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to get back to this, but this ties in exactly what we covered in the uh, Technocracy Inc. documents going back to 1933. So this is an understanding of what is happening in modern day. As I always say, understand the history, understand we where we are today, and then you can figure out where we are going in the future, folks. And as you can see, technocracy is this culture. It is this religion. It is embedded everywhere all around us, and it never ends. It never stops. There's no one fighting it because no one even actually understands exactly what it is. They don't recognize the problem. They don't recognize the problem. They just keep grabbing a hold of the solutions that these folks throw at you. All right, let's continue. Uh, in healthcare, we design and make medical scanners. Often, you know, 500,000 to a million dollars a piece. Um, and there's a lot of very valuable parts in a scanner like that. Nowadays, we design so that we can recoup later on from our customers uh, these machines. We take them all back. Uh, and then in our refurb factory, we repurpose them and we make them almost as new and we can sell them to other customers. From a design perspective, we had to design the product so that it would be easy to take it apart. That certain modules would indeed, as the word says, be modular and they can be reused in the second life of the scanner. Now it says up on the screen, business model innovation, long-term value operation, service-based business models, and then this is recommendations for leaders. For those of you who are considering to embrace the circular economy thinking in your business, is um, to assemble a few people, marketing, R&D, manufacturer, sales, uh, and have a workshop where we clear the plate, we open the mind, and say, you know, what is it that we really offer to our customers? I think you will be surprised on how inspiring that session is going to be. How much energy will be unlocked through that, you know, brainstorm. And I would also advise you to involve your customers. What are they really after from you? What do they value in you? Is it the product or is it the benefit of the product? It took Philips 15 years to get where we are. So don't think that, you know, this is 
a solution overnight. It, you will grow into it, I'm sure. All right, and that video was sponsored by uh, none other than World Economic Forum. So you can see they're really pushing this idea of the circular economy. And so they are going to try to work this into uh, Sri Lanka. We're going to have to follow up and look at that story and see what's going on there. But that's definitely one of the places where they're running a test case on this. Uh, Wide Awake John's going to talk about some, or sorry, Wide Awake Jim is going to talk about uh, some of the places where they're running test pilots on CBDC now, some of the cross-nation state CBDCs that they're testing out, credit cards that are operating on carbon credits. They're testing this stuff all over the place. Eventually, for the system to work, it has to be global. It has to be international. It has to reach across nation, uh, across nations. And as you see, if you go back to the original technocracy documents we covered here, even Howard Scott, the founder of Technocracy Inc. said this. They openly said that they would not be allowed, the people within the technate, you and I, with our energy certificates, we would not be allowed to do business with, to trade with people outside of the technate because our energy certificates would only be used with other people who adopted the energy certificate model. They had to disband the price system model, the capitalism, and move into the new energy certificate model. And that's a way to force everyone into this. And so what we think is going on right now is really there is just... There is a, it's a power struggle, okay, and it's constantly going on. This is what the technocrats are up against. They have a power struggle between China, Russia, Japan, United States, and others. Who's actually going to be in charge of the system? These guys that sit at the heads of all these different countries, we're talking politicians, heads of state, CEOs, they all want to be in control too. So they're making sure that they're not going to turn over full control to some international body if they're not going to get a seat at the table as well. None of them want to end up having to abide by the rules of the technate and end up being poverty-stricken like the rest of us, not being able to own anything, not being able to accrue wealth or assets. So that's what we think is happening. Now, I said I would mention another silver lining in all of this. Jim and I were talking today, and this is very, very important. What we're looking at is, as I've told you a million times, we are in this bridge situation now. We are stuck between the third industrial era and the fourth industrial era, right? That's what they're bringing us into, the merger of the biological, digital, and physical worlds. That's fourth industrial era. So we are in the fourth industrial revolution. The revolution is the bridge. It is this time period where they are changing from one system to the next system. Also, you would maybe call that build back better, right? They're in the process of building back better. Better is their image of whatever the fourth industrial era is going to be and so think of it this way you have a company or or let's say yeah let's say you have a company that stores gold coins and so they've got a warehouse the size of walmart all right and it's full of gold coins and then they're going to move this because they're growing they're getting bigger they're expanding and so they're going to move the gold coin warehouse to a warehouse the size of Amazon, 
right? But this warehouse is three states over. They're moving from, I don't know, Connecticut down to uh, West Virginia, all right? And they need to move all these gold coins down to their Amazon warehouse. And they also are getting gold coins from a number of other warehouses that they're moving to centralize into this Amazon warehouse. So they don't want anyone to know what's going on because they have hundreds upon hundreds of u-haul trucks filled with gold coins and they're moving them from many warehouses from a big giant area to this one central location well that's what's happening right now they are stuck in this bridge situation where they are moving us from one system to another system right now they have the illusion of a constitutional republic here in the United States, an illusion of a parliamentary system in the United Kingdom. They have the illusion of all these governments going on in different countries. That's part of it. But then they have the illusion of the current form of banking. They have the illusion of the current form of the uh, power structure. And so what they're doing is they're moving all these pieces, all the gold coins from the banking system to the governmental system, from the uh, power structure. They're moving all this stuff in into this new warehouse so they're at a very weak point right now as well because their new warehouse isn't up and operational isn't fully secured they are at a very weak point is they're moving us over from one operating system to another operating system you know you can attack and hack someone when they're changing over and they don't have the new level of cybersecurity and they want to keep it a secret so i think that's what's happening and you're seeing distractions like covid land the high school theater production like the ukraine russia war like financial collapse all around the entire world these are in part helping them bring this new system into place but they also act as distractions while they're actually setting up the new warehouse so that is one of the silver linings and we're going to get into that with wide awake jim and hopefully if we do this hot wire with mike over at the thomas Payne podcast over at pain.tv slash gold then we'll be able to war game this and talk about it we really want to get mike's input on the scam scheme element of this because there's constant scams and schemes and grifts running within the system they let everyone in these uh, positions of power make all kinds of money as they're doing that that's part of their incentive to move everyone over to the full-blown technocracy so if you think about it that way they are in a state of weakness right now this is why we're seeing bank for international settlements united nations klaus schwab yuval noah harari and the rest of these folks really pushing their audiences to move faster they keep telling them we have to pick up the pace we have to do this quicker you will see what um, jim found in the bank for international settlement documents where they're literally saying okay we have 10 pieces of this climate hustle we have to move into place well if the people in line don't do it we have ways to threaten them by basically we'll tax them more we'll fine them more we'll shut down loans we gave them they have all these ways to force people and corral people into the system again without casting one vote and without firing one shot they're able to pull this off ladies and gentlemen but they are in a position of weakness right now 
They just don't want you to realize it. This is why they are working so quickly to get their systems up and operational. But as Jim pointed out to me today, he said, this international CBDC is not even close to being ready for primetime. It's going to take them years. So folks, this may be the silver lining that we are looking for. We may have an opportunity to fight back and or an opportunity to break away from their system and start to build our breakaway civilization and secure it from these people when they try to come and take everything. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. 